Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton, and this is episode two, essentially, of a bunch of listener and fan questions that we got about home walls. Uh, And I'm here with my friend Zach Alexander from 42 North Bouldering, and we've been working on a course called Boulder Builder that's all about creating boulders on your home wall or board or spray wall at your gym. Um, that are more effective and more creative than what you've been coming up with. Um, just strategies and ideas and thoughts and philosophies about all of it. Yeah. And let's just jump into these questions. Um, let's like do it. I, like I said in episode one, we've got a lot of these, so we're breaking it into a bunch of small episodes. Uh, I have in my notes here that tons of people, I didn't even bother trying to list names here because there are over 20 people asked the same question. No credit given. And that was about setting a spray wall. Should you just, should you set specific problems or should you just spray the wall at random? Both? A little of both. Um, Though I don't think it's ever necessarily at random or should be at random. I think to some degree you should put some thought into it. Um, I'll tell you my process, uh, what I've come up with over a few years, and and we can kind of go from there. Essentially, I I like, I enjoy setting themed boulders. So if I have a set of holds, I'm probably going to make up a specific boulder with it. That's going to be the first thing I do. You know, I'm going to make up some warm-ups first, probably one in the middle and one up each side of the wall. We're talking a blank wall here. Blank wall. Um, get those warm-ups on, and then I'm going to set a few really specific boulders while I have free rain, and I can put a hold anywhere I want. And once I'm happy with those, and then I'll start thinking, let me put my bigger holds on so that you know I can put them where I want them and I don't have to try to fit them in into these little spaces put the bigger holds on and then I kind of build around those larger holds, you know, um, adding interesting ways into them, interesting ways out of them. And then your wall will start to fill in kind of in Island shapes, you know, and then you can start adding other holds. And, you know, there are some general rules we're air quoting here because there really aren't rules. Um, but, try to use holds on the edges of the walls that that are useful over there. You know, the edges and the corners tend to be overlooked spots um, that end up being blank space on a lot of people's walls. Um, and along with this same question, Mr. Big Strings also asked, orientation of holds, placement of holds, hold density. Just talk about those things. And this is something we talk a lot about in the Boulder Builder course. A hold density 
as dense as you can manage. Absolutely. That's that's my belief. It almost can't be too dense in my opinion. What is the <clears throat> downside of having more options? A lot of people I've seen mention things like it's too confusing. Um, that's all about the time you've spent learning the wall. You adapt. Learning to use it. Um, I mean, rock is infinitely more confusing. Have you ever climbed in Maple Canyon? Yeah, I have actually. Extremely. I mean, it's like an extra dense spray wall. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a million cobbles. Which ones do you grab? It's a similar thing. And frankly, I think it can prepare you better for when there are lots of possible holds and you have to remember a sequence. Uh, that's Yeah, I think that's probably valid. You know, um, a lot of people complain about the density of holds in that some holds are blocking other holds. Um, I tend to like that. Well, we run into precision movements and movements to blind hands or feet all the time outside. So in a way, it's added utility. Mm -hmm. What's the densest spray wall you've ever climbed on? Mm, densest? Most dense? Yeah. Something. You know, the current rendition of the machine shop is up there. It might it might be the densest. I've mm. seen a few spray walls at gyms that were extremely dense also. But I I you know, it, I'm like going off of memory and the density down in the machine shop is pretty high. It is, especially in some spots on the wall. Yeah. Some spots are way more dense than others and, and are actually spots that I'm really proud of, like puzzle piecing holds in there that can all be usable. Um, and I think that's something that needs to be thought about when spraying holds on a wall. Um, one of the things that happened early on in the, you know, in the machine shop was that some people were in there just putting holds on at random. And I was trying to be really deliberate in how I placed holds. And I would run up against this space where there's like a, you know, say a one foot hole, a, a one foot square, and somebody put a hold right in the center of it, you know, and that limits everything around it, mm -hmm. you know. So I'm like, why don't you move that hold so that it's a little closer to the islands that are already forming, you know. Um, that way we can keep building in a way that makes sense. Um, so I think you do have to be careful about the random spray because it's going to make it harder to get a good density. Um, and we're calling as dense as possible a good density. Yes. Um, and be choosy about where you're putting footholds. Um, if you're if you're like making a problem up on a spray wall and you want a foot over here in this space, instead of putting it right in the middle of the space, put it close to a handhold where it's not going to affect using the handhold. It's not going to affect putting another hold in that space when you have one that fits there. Mm. Um, so be choosy about those things, I think, is really important. Yeah, I definitely think that thinking about where your handholds are going is a benefit but like you said as the wall evolves you're going to go from all right nice evolution is potentially going from setting individual boulders to thinking about it but filling in the spaces 
Yeah. And you can always reserve the right to adjust. You know, we, our wall is, is set. You know, we, we aren't going to change classic boulders. They're going to stay up for as long as they can, which ideally is forever. Um, but we do reserve the right to adjust things. If there's a hold that's not getting used a bunch, if there's a hold that's in the way of other things and we'd rather move it somewhere else and, you know, make it all more useful, then we can absolutely do that. And we do that on a, you know, a somewhat regular basis. You know, every few months, there are little tweaks that happen to make the wall better. Mm -hmm. So if you do set it in such a way that an area isn't super useful, feel free to rework it. You know, you don't have to reset the entire wall. It's not an all or nothing thing here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mr. Big Strings mentioned the orientation of holds. That's something we both think is really important. Um, I think it's important when you're setting your wall initially and when you're building boulders, which is something we talk a lot about in the course. Yeah, every orientation. Yep. That's my thought. I use holds outside and at all orientations, at all angles, I, I don't see why I wouldn't give myself the opportunity to do the very same thing inside. Yeah, don't don't forget about underclings. They get forgotten so often on home walls, unless it's just a start hold, you know? Yeah. Don't forget about putting underclings halfway up the wall, three quarters of the way up the wall. Scatter them around. When you're putting a hold on the wall, you know, if it's a hold you absolutely adore and you have to use it with your left hand because that's your nostalgia dictates so, then by all means do it. But otherwise, forget the whole conversation of this is a left hand hold, this is a right hand hold. Um, if it is truly only usable one way, fine. Most holds are not. Most holds can be used a bunch of different ways, ways that you didn't imagine they could be used. So, don't be afraid to put things where you think is not the absolute optimal place because you'll find ways to use it. Yeah. It's not set in concrete. It can always be moved if you find that it's not a good spot or not a good way, but yeah. And you know, I think I've seen lots of photos of walls where the holds, maybe they have underclings and they have side pulls and they have down pulls and then they'll turn holds to 45 degrees in every direction, but it'll stop there. There won't be as much of that, those in-between angles, Right. which, you know, again, why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, there's also one issue I run into myself um, because I love old holds. I enjoy the history of holds. Um, I tend to... When I get a really cool hold that I'm excited about, I want it to be as useful as possible. But in our situation, I can't just put that hold anywhere anymore. No, that's a trap. You know? And and it makes me nervous. Like, I can't... I don't want to take this really cool hold and make it a start hold. It only gets to be used as a start hold. You know? And, and like you said, that's a trap. And yeah. I fall into it frequently, and I have to continuously remind myself not to get trapped there. Yeah. I love start holds. I think I'm probably trying to convince you to put stuff on as a start hold all the time, really. Well, it's one of the only places we have left on the wall to put things. So yeah, well, and <laughs> you're going to win that argument. Yeah. And the, you know, the first move of a wall, I mean, all of our spray walls, 
We're not in commercial gyms where these bouldering walls are terrifyingly tall now. So that first move is important, you know, or yep. I, I feel that way. So I, I like awesome start holds. I know when we go outside, we get excited about sweet start holds. So yeah, I feel the same when I'm gripping plastic or wood or whatever it is. Yeah, totally. So this is one of those questions, the setting a spray wall, that's been one of those things I've been asked thousands of times over the last couple of years and it's so hard to just talk about it or just show it in a video you almost have to have multiple different mediums coming at it you know mm -hmm. and this is one of the things we hope to talk to tackle in a another branch of the essential spray courses where boulder builder is like what how the initial set on a spray wall should be accomplished or different ways you can go about it um, to come up with an effective wall. So that's down the road, but hopefully coming. Um, next up from Tom tries, Tom tries hard, climbs okay. Um, hi, Tom, by the way. And uh, Chris Snow, Tom says ways to train endurance on a home wall. And Chris Snow said how to make endurance on a home wall, not super monotonous. And I'm going to go ahead and go on record as saying that endurance training is monotonous, no matter what you do. Just by nature. Just by its nature. Um, but you can learn to love monotony. You know, I have, I have a certain affinity for monotony. It might take me a little while to click into it, especially these days, but I still do love it. You know, I love doing the same circuit over and over and over and over and over until I've perfected it. Um, and it's fucking monotonous, but, but you can learn to love it. Um, ways to train endurance on the home wall. What do you do? Uh, well, I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> we, should, we should start there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, no, I, I mean... Currently, I am more of a fan of circuits because of my particular goal is more, more bouldering related. But I have before set routes on the wall that include up, up climbing, down climbing, traversing, just to cover all the territory and do lots of moves in a row so that, you know, you have a 50 move route and then gradually increase the difficulty of it by changing out one of the good holds with the worst hold or something to that effect. But these days I, I, I kind of like the circuits mostly because it gives me more rest and my goal is different. Yep. Yeah. I'm a big fan of circuits as well. Um, I also have worked with a lot of people who climb at like Red River Gorge or Maple Canyon or any of these endurance oriented areas. And, yeah. um, and I, th and a lot of those people need to learn how to rest and recover on route. Yep. Um, that's harder to do with circuits. You know, there's a pretty large skill element involved in resting and mental element that you can't get without actually doing it. Absolutely. And something that we've had people do who have like moon boards or steep walls where they can't stay on the wall for 20 minutes at a time, you know, is... I'll have them build just a, a stance somewhere. It could be at the bottom of their wall with, 
you know, a little box that has some footholds on it that they're standing on at less of an angle than their wall. It could be on the vertical wall next to their turf sure. climbing wall. You yeah. Know, just put a couple jugs on the wall and a couple feet and camp out at that stance while you rest for a certain amount of time, then get back on the wall and do a boulder. Mm-hmm. Then run back to your stance and keep doing that. So you're never really off the wall and you're actually training how to rest and recover. Um, I think that can be really effective and you don't need a separate wall with a bunch of jugs to do endurance on. Sure. You know, I think that's the trick for most people is to do endurance on my wall. I need a bunch of jugs, but I want to use this wall to get stronger. So I want a bunch of bad holds. Yeah. Endurance wears a bunch of different masks too, you know? So you kind of have to decide which or assess rather which one it is that you're, you're after. And then you can, tailor your thinking and think creatively a little bit about getting the most out of your space, whether it's finding some unique stance or staying on the wall a long period of time or whatever it may be to help you get there. Yeah. And all, you know, since we're talking about endurance, I've spent God too much time thinking about and training endurance over the years. Um, and I've sort of come into this, idea of this specific hierarchy where the person learning to climb endurance, learning to, to not get pumped or to manage that pump uh, and to not let go when they're pumped, to believe that they can continue, that person needs to spend more time on the wall, um, learning to rest, learning to recover, learning to manage pump, learning to be in that space where they're really pumped, you know? And then as you become a better climber and you start to master that part of it, the being pumped, then you don't need to get pumped as often in your training. And you can spend more time doing more intense moves, resting more off the wall. Um, So I think as you're, you know, as you pass the like mid 512 level or so, then it should become more about circuits. And doing more harder moves mm. in a session rather than just more moves on the wall. Yeah, that's interesting. When I hear you, I process two parts to what you're saying. And the first part is the self-awareness part, knowing what your skill set is, mm-hmm. knowing where you're at. And then the second part is then knowing what your goal is and assessing the goal. And then when you have those two things, then you can sort of build a path with whatever tools you have to get from point A to point B. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, that's pretty much why I keep you around here because you take all the rambling I say and can just turn it into this nice little, Oh, that's gift wrapped thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not a very good gift wrapper. (laughs) Better at it than you think. All right. Um, one more, one more thing on making endurance, not super monotonous. (laughs) Um, I do think the circuits are a great way to make it less monotonous. Um, I think if you can latch onto the goal of a circuit, like for me recently, I wanted to connect these four specific boulders together. Was it four? Was it six? I don't even remember at this point the number, but I wanted to connect all of these boulders together and it took me five weeks to do so. Um, But I was really invested in that goal. It's climbing the same things over and over, but my goal became like, this is my project now. 
yep. and I want to climb this project because by all, you know, it, it, no matter how we look at it, climbing a project, working on a project is just doing the same moves over and over and over and over and over ad nauseum. Oh, absolutely. I agree so. with you. I think that you have to find your way to stay motivated. And I sort of have a similar method where, you know, um, shoot a year ago, I, the world looked a little bit different and I had a plan to go on a climbing trip across the globe. And I had a very specific goal in mind and it was a sport climbing goal. It was a route that I wanted to do. And there's lots of videos of this route. So I watched all the videos and then I set a circuit trainer in the machine shop of all of the different boulder problems that were the crux boulder problems in the videos. And then I filled it in with the style of the route. And I had steadfast in my head that goal was something that I wanted to set myself up as good as possible to accomplish. And I climbed on holds in a monotonous manner at an angle that is not always my favorite and the most fun with serious intention because I was motivated for that thing. And I just found my way to fuel my fire. And that was that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. You just have to find the thing that motivates you and somehow apply it to yeah. that, that endurance training that you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one for this episode from burrito six pack, which Wow. That's a pretty damn good name. Sweet. <laughs> um, and I particularly love this one. Um, efficiently building a working library of problems that's actually going to make you better and stronger. And I particularly love this one because it's exactly what we've been doing. You and I, we've been deeply mired into this for the last couple of weeks, filming videos, having conversations, um, you know, really breaking down the ideas, the philosophies behind the answer to this question. Yeah. Burrito six pack, this teachables <laughs> course that's coming from power company climbing Academy yeah. is for you. Yeah. The boulder builder <laughs> course is exactly about this. And I mean, I think we could try to sum it up really quickly and we should um essentially it's helping you find the the objectives for the boulders walks through a bunch of methods of creating boulders um the the variables that you can manipulate to attain specific difficulties of boulders um, and how you can do that, both like physical on the wall strategies and your own mental strategies and tactics. And then we go through 20 or more at this point, since we keep adding on uh, machine shop boulders and, and we discuss the like individual parts of those and how all the things we've talked about in the course relate to them. Yeah. Did I miss? I'm sure I missed things. <clears throat> uh, I think that's a pretty good synopsis of the the big umbrellas that we dive into. I I want to break his question down is really okay. into its parts because the first part that's important to me is the end that'll actually help you get better or 
Yep. I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I can't see the screen. Yep. Actually going to make you better or stronger. So th- everybody's different. What's Absolutely. actually going to make us better and stronger is unique to the individual. So knowing that is the first part of jumping into the rest of your question. You know, the, mm-hmm. the first thing is self-assessment. And whether you do that by yourself or use your climbing partners to help you, however... Is, or coach. Yeah, or coach. All of those things, you know, that is, that is in my mind, the first piece and maybe the biggest piece. Yeah. And, and then it is building an effective library of boulder problems, right? That's the next part of the question. Well, I think, I think maybe it could be flipped for some people. You know, I, I certainly have clients. I have friends who, um, who are good at assessing what they need to do to get better or what, what qualities they need as a climber to be a better climber, but they don't know how to attack them on sure. the wall. Yeah. You know, um, so They've got which the part of this question is most important also depends on the individual. Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. So you have your assessment element of the question, your aware self-awareness element, and then you have the part of implementing that awareness in a effective way mm-hmm. by building problems and then consequently climbing on them. You know, when when you and I were tackling this originally, Mm-hmm. You know, we started talking about the Boulder Builder course and making this thing. And and we we talked about this on episode one, but I think your your sort of perplexed face as you were thinking about this question kind of says it all. It was a topic we thought, okay, let's just knock out a quick little course and, you know, make it available to people. And here we are a month later having made you know, like 50 videos at this point and, uh, you know, have hours and hours of conversation because it's a much deeper topic than we expected it to be. Yeah. I, it's, <clears throat> it's tough with some, for me, for a question like this or for a topic like this, where it's so individualistic to create one thing that is, beneficial to everybody. And I sort of had to come to the conclusion that everybody, I I want it to be beneficial to everybody, but everybody is probably going to get something different out of it. And if we achieve that, that's pretty good. Yeah. And I think what we did in the course in, you know, talking through the philosophies and the ideas and the, you know, our own theories and, you know, working through it in real time a little bit, having conversations like this, I, for me, that's the importance of it. If, Mm -hmm. if it were a course that said, take your second foothold on your boulder problem and turn it 45 degrees, you know, then it's bullshit. Then, then you're making one thing work for one person that isn't easily transferable to everyone. Well, you're giving them a fish often rather than teaching them to fish too. Yeah. Yeah. So burrito six pack, um, we're just going to tell you, you have to learn to fish here and give you the, you know, the Boulder Builder course, which is in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer, or it's right there in the uh, description on YouTube, wherever it is you're watching this. And you can find it at powercompanyclimbing.com. Um, 
at this point you might be able to find zach at 42 north bouldering.com if not soon yeah well, and the rock shop guidebook will be out this summer rock shop guidebook will be out this summer uh and the website and the instagram may be live depending on when this is released and if it's not it will be shortly yeah and you'll be hearing about that here for sure um, in the meantime, you can definitely find me on Facebook and Instagram at Power Company Climbing. You can find me on Twitter, but it won't actually be me. It's just people talking about the podcast because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.